What's the Bible Say, where we take today's topics and we look at them through the lens of Scripture and we answer three questions. What's the Bible Say, Why Does It Matter, and How Can We Apply What We Learn in Real Life? I'm Stephanie here with my co-host Rebecca, and we would love it if you'd go over and find out more about us on our website at whatsthebiblesay.org. You can also follow us on Apple or Spotify or YouTube. And be sure to leave a review if you go over there and subscribe. We would love that. Well, today we are going to start part one of a three-part series called Dear Atheist, What We Really Wish You Knew. And we're going to share one thought in each episode. And there's been a lot of talk recently, I guess, about the deconstruction movement, people who once called themselves Christians, but then they're turning away from their faith and legitimately are people who are grappling with their faith, right? And they're getting their information about God from prominent atheists. And mm. I think it's important for us to maybe provide some information that might help atheists who are kind of on that journey or they're, they're looking into it and maybe they're listening or maybe believers who are, are struggling or maybe believers who want to be equipped to know how to answer those who are struggling with their faith and their doubts about God's existence. Maybe they're in the process of deconstructing their own faith. Mm. I don't know where you're at in that journey, but today we want to we wanna go there and, and try to offer you some help, things that we really wish that you knew. You know, this is a huge topic and it has a lot of little sub issues that go along with it. There, But there have been some pretty high profile people who they've identified themselves as Christians. Some have grown up in church. They have maybe even have become a pastor or a worship leader or in a band. Some have even gone so far as to go leave their, their families and go to the mission field. But for some reason or another, they have just decided that they no longer believe in God. Seth Andrews and John Steingard are two of those. And Seth Andrews, he was a Christian broadcaster and people were telling him how great he was and how he was doing God's work. And they were affirming him for his outward actions, but they didn't know what was going on in his heart on the inside, which I can only imagine how terrible that would be. You know, here you are broadcasting all of this about God and inside you're going, but I don't know if I really believe it. I mean, that, yeah. that would just be a very miserable place to be in. And he said that in his world, if he asked questions, he was more like a pariah, which is basically a fancy word for being an outcast or someone who's not accepted. And so sad that, you know, he would feel like that. Yeah, and not I feel like that. he had a place to go to and feel accepted to be able to ask questions. Right. And John Steingard, he had very similar questions. Like, if God is all-powerful, then why is there evil in the world? He asked, why does God seem so mad in the Old Testament? And then in the New Testament, he's like this loving father. He, he asked, why does he say not to kill? But then he instructs Israel to turn around and kill men, women, and children to take over the promised land. He also asked, if God can do anything, can't he forgive without dying? And he goes on mm -hmm. to say, I mean, my parents taught me to forgive people, and nobody dies in that scenario. So these are legitimate questions that he yeah, had. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my heart is so heavy for him because I read a few articles about him and these articles, several of them said that he still prays at night. Yeah. Even though he's saying that he wants to be an atheist, he still prays. But he said his prayer is very simple and it's this, God, if you're real, you've got to show me. And I'm, I'm just really sad that he never found a place where he could go and ask those questions and get real answers for them. 
Yeah, he wants him to show him. I think some people are looking for like that shooting star or some kind of earth shattering something. And God reveals himself to us in his word. Mm-hmm. And he does through other people and he does through other circumstances and through the through the universe. But I don't know, that, that's heartbreaking that he's still searching and still hanging on to. I'm going to say you don't exist, but if you do, yeah. oh, what a hard place to be. But in. thankfully, he is still searching. And, yes. And I do. I pray for him. I pray that God will, will reveal him himself to him. Absolutely. And I also think it's sad that the church should really be a place where people can ask questions. That's I mean, right. It should be a place where they find answers. And I think we as individual believers, we need to equip ourselves to help people, you know, navigate those issues where they're struggling to to know what they believe about who God is and the things that their hearts are wrestling with. I think the church needs to be a little more open about here we are. We're here for you and equipped to answer those hard yes. questions. Well, and be honest when we have questions too. Absolutely. You know? So let's talk, let's just talk for a little bit. I mean, why do people renounce their faith? And actually, there there could be a multitude of reasons, and we're not going to talk about all of them here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to start with a super easy one. And I think there is a large group of people that they just simply don't want to surrender to God. Mm-hmm. They've been told the truth, and it's not that they don't necessarily don't believe it, but they just don't want to surrender their lives to the Lord yet. And I think that is a lot of them. Others, though, struggle with making sense out of what doesn't make sense to them at all. Mm-hmm. What would be some, what would be an example of that? I think some can't reconcile their human thoughts about God as they know him with their limited understanding. I don't know. They compartmentalize God. They try to put him in a box of their own understanding. And then when they can't do that, they just give up. I think John Steingart, he asked a question that many struggle with. Why does he tell Abraham to kill his son and then basically just say, just kidding? I mean, these are legitimate questions, and when he can't find that answer, they just give up. Yeah. And um, I think I think most of them have valid questions that perhaps either no one was able to answer, they weren't able to find for themselves, or they just decided, you know what, I, I'm not going to believe God, and just kind of put the brakes on any kind of idea that God exists. So I have a question for you, Steph. Did you ever have a place in your life where you just didn't know if God was real? I think for me, I might have had like those seconds of, man, this is just too much to comprehend. It can't be real. Mm -hmm. But overall, my whole life, I don't think I've ever really doubted the existence of God as a whole because, I mean, look at the universe. Look at everything around us. You know, look at the human body. I look at it like this. Everything's so complex. To me, there's no way that it could have just happened. Mm -hmm. If you have a Rembrandt picture and you look at the beautiful work of art, you can't go, well, it didn't have a painter. It didn't just yeah, that's all of a sudden, point. you know, become this beautiful work right. of art. If you read Shakespeare, you can't say, well, those letters, they just kind of landed on the page and it created this great work of literature. Timeless. So it, there has to be a creator, a designer of all of this. So I've never really doubted the validity of God's existence. I haven't always followed him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get saved till I was you know, 24. So I've never really, I guess, overall doubted his existence. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, actually, I, well, I was saved when I was very young. And I really, truly loved God since I was a little girl. But I remember I was standing in Bible college. It was one of a chapel service, and we were singing that old-timey hymn, Standing on the Promises. And I remember the second verse. It says, Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. And I can remember, it's so weird, I remember looking up into the balcony and thinking, 
what if this isn't true? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have said my whole life, I'm standing on the promises of God. What if God's not real? Oh. And I'm telling you, the fear that overtook me at that moment, my heart goes out to people that really struggle with mm-hmm. understanding if God's real. Thankfully for me, it did not last long because I had the advantage, I don't know if advantage is the right word, of knowing that God was real to me. I had had too many things growing up in my life where, like I said, I was saved as a young child and pursued after God. And so I could go back and reflect and think, there's no way God's not real. He did this in my life and he did that. And his word truly healed me and helped me in this place. And he answered prayers that nobody could have known but him. So I know. And then besides the practical part of look at the universe and, you know, all of those things coupled together. But for me, what I couldn't get away from was how real God was to me. Mm -hmm. And so for that, it was a big life changer. And I knew, I knew that God was real. And I, I don't think anybody could convince me otherwise, but I know that there are real people out there with real struggles. So today we would like to share one thing that we wish atheists knew. And before we go any further, I think it's important that we kind of clarify what we mean by the word atheist, because it's a very broad topic or broad category Mm -hmm. of people. And a lot of different people use that word. And there are some who are diehard, true blood atheists. And then there are also some that are what we would call agnostic. And so what's the difference? Well, an atheist is someone who absolutely does not believe in any God at all. And that has all sorts of ramifications, such as you're not really you. Mm. Like you don't have a being. You're just molecules. And there's a lot of other details that can go along with that. But that's somebody who is a hardcore Mm. atheist. And then there is actually the agnostics who wouldn't go that far probably and they don't want to necessarily say that there's no god or there's no intelligent being out there but they're not ready to say that there is a god out there so but actually for today it doesn't matter because wherever whatever camp you're Mm -hmm. in what we're gonna say here is gonna apply to you yeah so we're gonna state an issue and then we're going to look and see what the bible has to say about it here's our first one Dear atheists, doubts and questions are a normal part of the faith journey. The difference is where you go to find the answers. That's what matters. So let's take a look at what does the Bible say? Well, I'm reminded in Luke chapter 7, verse 19 about John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus, and he had experienced a personal encounter with Christ like no other human being. And here he was sitting in a jail cell. He was awaiting his execution. He was dying for what he believed about Christ. Mm. And he had doubt, but he wanted to be sure. Like some of the people listening today, you want to be sure. But he wanted to be sure that Jesus was who he said he was, that he Mm. was the Messiah. And so he went to the disciples and he said, listen, you go ask Jesus for me. Are you the coming one or should we look for another? John didn't read a book written by somebody else to try to find out the answer. He didn't Google search, is Jesus really the Messiah? He went straight to the source. He went straight to Mm -hmm. Jesus because he needed Jesus to answer that for himself. And I think too many people are told that, that there's something wrong with having doubts and questions. But it is a normal part of a person's faith journey. And throughout scripture, we find a lot of God's most used men and women of God Mm -hmm. who have a lot of questions. Right, right. I mean, think about Job. 
Job was somebody that God described as someone who eschewed evil and was a righteous man. And yet, if you read the book of Job, it's full of questions. Mm -hmm. Job 3.11, why didn't I die at birth? Job 7.20, have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Job 9.2, how can a man be made righteous before God? Job 14, 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? And he goes on and on. I mean, that's just a smattering of them. But when you get to the very end, one of my favorite passages is Job 38 through 41. And Mm -hmm. in there, finally, after all of these questions, God finally speaks and he answers these questions and he responds to Job. And I love to read that when I'm out of sorts (laughs) because it just reminds me, God showed that he is a great, mighty God. He knows what he's doing and he's got a plan and it's a good one. And so that's a great example of someone who asked God. He asked him all kinds of things and eventually God did answer him. Yeah. And so he just kept on going to him, kept on going until God finally answered him. And boy, did he ever give him, I think, isn't that the longest conversation that God ever had with a human being? I think you're right. I love that. Yeah. Um, And David, a man after God's own heart. Right. He had questions in Psalms 13. Actually, just read through the Psalms and you'll see questions all over the place that that David was asking. But Psalms 13, 1 and 2, David was feeling far from God. And he says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And I think a lot of people Mm. listening, a lot of people kind of doing the deconstruction thing or just scrappling with what they believe about God. They're wrestling with their thoughts. David did that too, but he went to the source. Why have you forsaken me in Psalm 22, 1? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Psalm 10, 11. And I think what happens is that people don't understand that it's okay to ask God questions without really questioning God. You can Mm -hmm. do that. And seeking the truth and honestly asking questions about God and eternity is an important part of our faith journey. And think about it. Faith by its very nature must be tested. Oh. That's really good. And I think the problem lies in who you're willing to get the answer from. Good point. Are you going to ask yourself, well, you know, I don't know about you, but my mind and everybody else's that I know, our minds are limited. We have this finite knowledge. Are you going to turn to science? Well, even the most prolific scientific minds would admit that science is ever changing. But God's (laughs) word never changes. And are you going to go to other people, writers or deniers? To me, if you go to an atheist or a denier, it's kind of like if you're needing heart surgery and you you go to a student who either failed or dropped out of med school and you say, hey, give me heart surgery, you know? (laughs) It's probably a very dangerous thing to do. The only difference is who you listen to regarding the reality of God is not only a matter of life and death physically, it's a matter of eternal life and death. So it's huge. Yes, it is. So let's talk about where do you go to find the answers? There are three places that we can go that I think are foundational for for everyone who has a question or struggling with something in their heart. The first one is the Bible itself. Amen to that. But it's not just, oh, I'm going to play Bible bingo and I'm going to find this passage or this passage that I'm struggling with to find an answer for or that I'm going to try to prove God wrong on that one. So I'm going to pull that one out of the hat. It's not doing that. It's learning how to study God's word, precept upon precept, Mm -hmm. looking at the original language. It's learning contextual study of of scripture, learning dispensational study of scripture, because a lot of people get confused between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the dispensation 
different dispensations. And so I would start with the Bible. Then I would go and speak to solid, proven Bible teachers. Mm -hmm. Not just any old Bible teacher, because the depth of knowledge of Scripture is different for different people. I'd go to solid, proven Bible teachers. And then I talk to strong Christians who have grappled with the same questions that you're grappling with today. But the thing is, is in the Christian circle, we need to be a little bit more forthcoming about our Mm -hmm. own struggles so that people know, hey, they've struggled too. I can go to them and find an answer. Yeah, that's right. That's so true. Because questions are a normal part of our faith journey. But a lot of times we're not willing to admit that we had a question. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be like that. We need to be more honest so that other people who are struggling can can know, well, I remember they had a problem. Mm-hmm. They had a question. That's a really good point, Stephanie. If we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it tells us that God has put eternity in everyone's heart. Let me read that to you in the Amplified because it gives us such a great picture of what God has done by really prompting us to seek those answers, to be question askers so we can find answers. He says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. So that very sense that drives people to try to understand and know who God is. It's given to them by God himself that we could discover him so that we would be question answers and truth seekers. But we need to seek those answers in the place where God reveals himself most first, which is the Bible itself. Yes, and that is such a good point, that those questions are, they're from God, so that we will seek. You know, which makes me think, too, you know, God was constantly, like in the New Testament, was constantly asking questions to make his followers think. Yeah. And so I think questions are actually really healthy. And you know, another place that we can find answers is just look at his creation. Mm. I mean, like, I loved your example about the Rembrandt and the Shakespeare. Like, how in the world? I, I just went to the eye doctor this week, and the pictures that they took of my eye, mind-blowing. When you think about how your body was created, or you think about the sun and how if we're the earth is one milliliter one way we burn up and the other way we're freeze to death i mean that's Mm -hmm. not an accident all of these things just prove to me that there is a divine being and his name is god it's mind-blowing to me it is and if you take an honest look at all of that you might end up thinking the same thing that one of the most brilliant men who ever existed thought his name was albert einstein and you might be familiar with him and he said the more i study science the more i believe in god he also said the highest principles for our aspirations and judgments are given to us in the jewish christian religious tradition. Mm. You know, I don't I don't think I, I don't believe ever reading that Albert Einstein ever became a Christian. I sure hope he did. But throughout his life, if you read his writings, they reflected his constant battle with his own theology. Mm-hmm. He really struggled with it. And you saw that in his writings. And if you're listening today and you're struggling with your own questions, just please know that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Please don't stop seeking Just make sure that you look for them, the answers in the right place, and then be willing to accept the answers that you find. Oh, that's good. Be willing to accept it. There's a difference between reading it and then receiving it. That's so good. Well, we're almost to the end of our time together, but I think there's an important question that we really could end today's show with. And for those who are determined to not believe in God, let me ask you this. Dear atheist, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? good question. Well, please be sure to tune into our next episode where we will share the second thing that 
we wish all atheists would know. We'll see you soon. <music>